APs and Shelly Delaney present. A Warren APs production presents A Warren APs production, The Movie Professors. I am Amanda. My name and is Amanda. we are doing an episode of Your Name is Amanda. That is accurate. So far, so good. Um, so we're doing a an episode of The Movie Professors. Uh, yeah. Yes, which I'm you're gonna hear me and typing for a I'm, minute because I okay. oh, we, because I don't know, I can never remember anyone's names, so I'm gonna pull up all the characters like a list of the characters <laughs> names oh yeah i'm glad you did that i'll try to help with some pronunciation because i tried to look that up beforehand a little bit so um I'll, actually that leads into uh, a, an intro of sorts which is that um i chose this movie uh, journey to the west um because uh, yeah one of my closest friends is a uh, chinese american and he grew up with that story in general. He said that like all Chinese kids grow up with that story. Um, and so it was very familiar to him, but he hadn't seen the movie. But I saw the movie because Andy showed it to me. Um, I think he showed it to me about like eight years ago or something. He was trying to get me interested in like um, more, uh, I don't know, Japanese and Chinese uh, dramatic films. Um, I had seen a certain amount of animation, but I hadn't seen sort of live action like this. And I've never been that interested in like karate movies and things like people punching each other for the sake of it does not always been a thing unless they're like vampires or something. I don't know why, but that makes it interesting. Uh, but I've since changed my perspective and it's because of this movie. I think uh, I saw a lot of, um, similar movies with Andy afterwards. He talks a lot about, oh no, what's that? What's the really, what's the Chinese comedy action that he talks about all the time? Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very similar movie and it's like heart and it's humor and the action, which is filmed so well. So I just absolutely adore this movie. I had my, um, mother watch it and she is severely ADHD and she cannot sit through a movie ever and she sat through this whole movie and asked me questions the whole time I love it so, yeah it was great what were your thoughts <laughs> well I watched it the first time and loved it mm -hmm. uh and by the way Andy introduced me to Kung Fu Hustle mm -hmm. and I'm like why didn't I I love Kung Fu Hustle and I, yeah. I didn't know that there were more movies like that. Um, and the second viewing was actually with Ren, uh -huh. my seven-year-old. And uh -huh. it was so hard to, you have to talk so fast. They have so many words and I was just like, yeah. uh, but so delightful to watch it. It's so, it's just fantastic. Did he get scared in the first big scary scene? There are several of them, but the first one in the fishing village is terrifying. 
Yeah, there were some parts where I'm like, don't watch this and actually straight up covered his eyes and was like, we're oh just going to skip this part. Yeah. yeah, quite violent. I mean, it's fantastical violence, but it is. I think that it's the soundscape. The um, music and the sound effects are so amazing and well blended and it's so effective that I that's at least 60% of the scariness. And the actors, the the four year old girl had such like terror oh. on her face. I, I was, um, that's the part, and the baby with the baby. Uh, yeah. Those were the two parts where it's like we're not. And then the mom gets eaten by the demon fish, and it was like we're just not going to watch those parts. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, when uh, we get to the end of everything, I'll tell you something to tell Ren that'll make him feel better awesome. about everyone that was supposedly dead in this movie they might not actually be dead okay um it was as i was watching with ren it was interesting because the first part has some kind of very scary parts and then that second part where they're in the um the restaurant that i was just like you can't watch this part until the all the dead people were gone i was like you need to just stand in your room for a minute um (laughs) and then the after that the rest of the movie is totally kid friendly yeah which is really an, a nice thing i wonder how they marketed it i mean it is it was the highest grossing uh movie in china and uh 2014 when it came out so it made an extraordinary amount of money um but i wonder how they marketed it. were they like young kids should see this or like teenagers because it seems like a kid movie but it's extremely violent yeah i would think little kids know but once you get up to like nine or ten yeah yeah i don't i don't think Ren. well the restaurant scene again is a little boy (laughs) all right as annie says let's go uh through the plot um so we first arrive at a fishing village um where uh, a young girl and her father are playing near the water and uh, he warns her not to get in there because there is a, a water demon a river demon um and a whole bunch of people die very quickly uh <laughs> mostly because uh someone comes there to defeat the demon that is very clearly in the water um it definitely reminds me of jaws where everyone is like no it's fine just go back in don't worry about it uh there's a Taoist monk that's going to solve everything that character was funny um he acted like he could defeat the demon and absolutely could not what did you think about him? Uh, I I kept, I love how they just kept throwing in things where you're like, yep, he's going to get it. No, the next guy's going to get it. Oh, yeah. wait. Yeah. I, yeah, it was a lot of, um, what is that called when they, switcheroos, a lot of switcheroos. <laughs> yes, definitely. I thought it was pretty great how the, they kind of showed Taoism versus Buddhism. So there's a Taoist priest who's there to defeat the demon, but he is very obviously a blowhard. Like he says, oh, I'm very humble. Like, don't give me any money or praise. But then constantly is like asking for it to be acknowledged. Um, And then when it actually comes down to fighting the demon, he says, take your hand off my arm or I will kill you. I am not going to help you. Um, And that says a lot about what they, I think what they think about Taoism versus like the true humility of Buddhism, because then there's the unshaven monk who is truly humble and does not care how he is seen by others. He just wants to help. So that's supposed to be like, 
definitely like a moral there. Did not catch that at all. This is this is something I why I'm very excited to talk to you about this movie because I always miss there's mm. usually I don't miss I don't <laughs> catch that layer beneath. So that was inter that's interesting. I also don't know anything about Taoism. Hmm. Have you ever read the Tao of Pooh? No. Okay. Oh, like Winnie the Pooh? Like yeah, but like Tao, like T-A-O. Yeah. And uh it talks about how uh Winnie the Pooh is uh upholds the concepts of buddhism uh not buddhism taoism sorry <laughs> that's the opposite and something that the movie touches on a little bit is that buddhism is a lot about acknowledging the suffering of the world he talks about that a lot and uh that makes it a little different anyway that's a digression religion <laughs> stuff um but then then what happens with the, the demon guy the big monster yeah they they Get him out of the they get the fish monster out of the water and then they i love it because he sings in the nursery uh -huh. rhyme and he's sitting there with this music and it's very lots of comedic <laughs> stuff going on lots of physical gigs and then yeah. and then he starts the yeah. fish demon starts beating him and then the lady comes in the demon hunter and she oh, the lady miss duan okay and please miss go duan, ahead yeah. and i love hearing people talk about movies and plots so as much as you want to talk about the plot. <laughs> so actually talk about the plot. Well, it's I someone has to play the role because I never would take notes prior to doing these things. And then Andy would always try to rein me in and just be like, okay, so anyway, with the plot, stop digressing. <laughs> <laughs> or that was the sense I got from him. Well, I guess we could say this is like a this is a three act. It's like three acts. You got yes. the um and I'm I'm not gonna say his name right. Uh, the one who's trying to become a demon hunter. Oh, uh, you. So it's um, it's like um, Shun. Shun. Uh, okay. it's almost like Shen, but there's almost a U. Like Shun. Shun. I think okay. is how you say it. And then uh, Jang is the last name. But Xuan you Zhang. can call him the un, yeah, the unshaven monk. So. Okay. So that's that's good that there are two ways to talk to talk about him. Um, yeah. Uh, There's actually two ways to talk about most of the characters in this um, because they change. Uh, the biggest arc of the story is that the demons that um, Shine is um, hunting, uh, he ultimately finds redemption for, and then they themselves become monks that join him on his quest. Yeah, I, so, I feel like that that's really the arc of the story is like you have three acts and in yeah. each act he's uh fighting a demon that then is captured mm -hmm. and at the end of the movie he he does get enlightenment and then those demons become his companions mm -hmm. and the second thing that's going on in that movie is the love story which is how he gets enlightenment or or mm -hmm. is an arc to get enlightenment i'm not sure yeah. how you how that would be described really mm -hmm. I think so. We hadn't talked about the female demon hunter yet, uh, Miss Duan. So she meets him in the fishing village, and she does defeat the uh, the river monster, the fish demon. What is his official name? Later they call him Sandy, but um, oh really? Yeah, <laughs> I love he's. That. I think of him as like just catfish guy. Um, so she defeats him and then she defeats pretty much all the subsequent demons. It's all her doing. And she tries to convince the unshaven monk that he is 
deeply in love with her, um, which he re refuses to acknowledge. What did you think about that? I thought it was, again, I found this movie so delightful. Um, she had, I liked the arc of the characters because they were all deeply flawed. Like her character was extremely manipulative. She mm -hmm. didn't understand things about the world. She didn't understand yeah. love. And she went through this journey where at the end, she's like, oh, I, I get it now. Um, and I feel like yeah. the that's the same with the the protagonist. He went through this long journey. Um, and they, they were all deeply flawed characters. And I really enjoyed their arcs. She was just, she's such a good character. I just want to be her. She's so powerful and yeah, cool and confident. Um, the, uh, I mean, I think that's mostly the, the first act of it. And the second act is him like truly uh, taking his journey to fight demons more seriously because he starts to be joined by companions. So he has her and then her whole demon hunting family. <laughs> and then three separate other monks that they meet, whose names are, um, there's, oh no, where are they? The Almighty Foot, yes. Prince Important, and Fist of the North Star. That's beautiful. All ridiculous, all just so silly. I really you tell loved, me about them. I loved Prince Important. So Prince Important has people carry him and he is wearing all white and he's very, very pale and sickly. He's coughing into his his handkerchief, uh, sometimes so much that he can't talk and you can't really hear him. Um, and the fist of the North Star, Ren described him as, oh, he can become animals. So there he's fighting and he'll be like a grasshopper or a tiger. Um, and then the Almighty Foot has yeah. this really, really, really tiny foot. Um, that only reaches to his to his knee and he, so he walks with a cane but then that foot becomes humongous and can like smash people <laughs> i'm tickled just thinking about it like it just makes me so happy they and they're also flawed and silly and trying to do the right thing ish and yeah they, they all have real character which is fun yeah yeah it was fun going back and rewatching the family it like, of uh, Miss Duan is so like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, like the little boy in the family and his, and the sister. I don't know what her name was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I didn't write that one down. And then, uh, but Prince they and, they're very flawed, but their intentions are very good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I love Prince Important, his, the four women who he found in the woods and are carrying him around mm -hmm. and they're just, their stupid arguments they have. It's so, <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. and it gives him such like a, gives a nice depth to the character. Um, yeah. Like it makes me like him. That's what made me start liking him was how he was. Oh, and then who, when he asks someone for, for, will you go out with a drink with me? Will you go have a drink with me? And like so many people shoot him down. It's just delightful. <laughs> oh that was funny oh and then he when uh with the main character when he gets the charm on his shoulder where he starts <laughs> dancing just like the sister was so adorable Rin would not watch that part he was like oh, oh embarrassing yeah yeah he'll watch the the violence to a certain extreme the fighting but then anything yeah. like sexual he's like oh which my is, god it's pretty cute 
Oh. That was funny. I'm watching everyone's face, watching him do these sexy dance moves. Like, I don't know how to feel right now. Complicated. <laughs> they just weren't very sexy. They just looked very really? silly. I, I, I don't know. For I feel like he could have, like he could have done sexy dance moves that were sexy for him. Oh, right. No, that was the humor was that he was doing sexy dance moves that are specifically for the body of a female. For, yes. Yeah. He could have accentuated <laughs> his features a little right. bit better. So. That's why it was so good. That was funny. Um, then what happens? He go The pig demon, right? Oh, yeah. The pig demon gets super big. Actually, we didn't mm -hmm. really talk about the restaurant scene very well. We just said it was super scary. Yeah, I think of that as like, like we have the first scene, which was mm -hmm. the fish village. And then the mm -hmm. second scene, I feel like is the whole, the restaurant and meeting the gang and maybe even going on the journey to find the, the monkey king. Mm -hmm. And then the third scene is like the monkey king. Um, but the restaurant is they find they, the, um, Xuan Zhang, is that? Tell me again how you say his name. Um, oh shoot, I have to look it up again. So I forgot. It's like Shen. 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 So Shen, he goes to the restaurant and he's like, I can. It's a restaurant where if you first go in, um, it looks like everything's normal, mm -hmm. and then you finally find out that no, no, all these people are dead, um, mm -hmm. or maybe dead. Mm -hmm. um, oh no, those people are one hundred percent dead. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're, yeah, they're eight. They're eight and dead. Oh, man, I was like, no, they're <laughs> sand people. They're not dead. <laughs> well, okay, so then, okay, there's a separate set. So I would say the people that are out, um, yeah, no, I think you're right. So some of the people in the restaurant become like plastic squeaky toys that turn into sand when they're exploded. Um, I think that that was kind of like spiritual and ultimately maybe means that their souls get released later because of the way that they were captured. Ooh. I think there's a difference in how demons capture souls. I could totally be wrong about this. I don't know very much about Chinese mythology, but I think that when they like actually consume those souls, when they're a demon, it's, it's like spiritual. And so maybe that when they're released from being a demon, their souls are released. Uh. That's kind of my hope, especially with the fish, the river uh, demon because he just swallows a bunch of souls and then he kind of explodes and like becomes a human again so i think maybe souls get released but in the restaurant scene there's a whole bunch of dead bodies wrapped <laughs> up in pig flesh and they're being roasted so they they got eight they got eight and they got eight by kl hog yeah his name was yes um, you're right yeah who was his he's this very attractive chef mm -hmm. but his face is like not real it looks mm -hmm. it looks too perfect he looks like a not like a china doll but plasticky almost mm -hmm. um and he is the chef and he kills his guests i suppose and eats them or feeds mm -hmm. them to other people i don't know yes. could be both yes. um and yeah so uh our hero comes in there and and tries to defeat the the hog. Yep. Later on, they call him Pigsy. Pigsy. <laughs> After they sort of achieve enlightenment, they get really cutesy nicknames. 
But right now they're K.L. Hog. And I, oh shoot, I can't remember. The River Demon had a human name, but in a whole backstory, all the de demons did, but. You know, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, that these yeah. demons were, I like the redemption piece of it, that they mm -hmm. were people. Some of them had a bad thing happen to them. Some of them maybe weren't the greatest in the first place, but it was a nice, like you can, everyone can get to a better place. That was a nice, yeah. it's a nice thing to believe. Mm -hmm. And just the whole idea that you don't need like a, a demon hunting book. You just need a uh, nursery rhymes um, to sing to the, that was the silliest scene where he's singing to him lying between his naked legs, yes. <laughs> singing up at him to please be a good boy and study hard. It's yeah. It's, and you just need that little thing. That's what his nameless master kept saying. Yeah. You just need a little thing, a little something, yeah, a little something. Um, um I think, that, oh yeah, and I actually wrote the quote down that after he says that little something, because he asks him like, what is the love between a man and a woman? Um, and then, you know, that goes back to what you said about how part of his Buddhahood comes from having f let himself fall in love. Um, that even though that he loved someone right, just or admitted he loved her right before she died, that he still let himself be vulnerable in that way. And that that was the direct cause of giving him his Buddhahood. Whereas before he thought like, you know, a lot of religions that like, in order to be spiritually pure, you have to be like chaste. And you have to only think about like a, a love that's not like of the flesh, but spiritual. But then in the end, he says, you know, now that you have that special something, he says, yes, like love is neither greater or lesser. Having experienced pain, I can truly understand life's suffering. Knowing stubbornness, one can let go. Knowing what one wants, one can release it. And that was so powerful. I got, I really liked that. I got, got a little choked up there. Did you? Yeah, I actually watched the, the first time I watched this movie, I watched the ending twice in a row mm. um, just to make sure I was catching all of it. And because there's a lot going on in the ending. Yeah and it wraps everything up really mm -hmm. nicely how would you wrap it up how would I, oh what happened yeah. from this point on well this lady demon hunter who's been saving his butt the entire time uh she keeps following him to hunt to go see the monkey king mm -hmm. um and they come up with this plan to get the to get the hog demon captured and they go through with this plan and the monkey king saves saves them he's he actually helps them defeat the hog mm -hmm. demon mm -hmm. and this is the scene where where she, the female demon hunter was like i will you know now we can be together and here's my mm -hmm. ring and puts it on his finger and he tries to smash his finger off of the rock and that's where <laughs> she finally realizes i get it i, I need to go and she leaves yeah. And uh, he goes outside and he's very upset. And then he accidentally releases the Monkey King, which is the climax of the movie, this great fight and the prince important and all the other monks come to fight. Um, they weren't monks, were they? They were just demon hunters. So they all came um, to fight and, it's, and this Monkey King defeats them all. 
defeats the female demon hunter and the three other demon hunters. And finally, uh, his belief, his undying belief in Buddha allows him to defeat the monkey king. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to see. I mean, so the monkey king is a very interesting figure um, and he's really like infamous in, in Chinese mythology, but like it's hard to not see him through a Western lens, but he seems to be like a, a Satan figure um, in that like there is sort of an ultimate figure up above that he defies. And in the movie, the monkey King says, you know, he got into a little argument with Buddha that landed him like in prison in a cave for five. Um, and then he just defies him. He just, he doesn't believe, oh, that's my dog shaking her ears. Um, he, he, yeah, he, he expressed his individuality and his disagreement with Buddha, which got him in trouble. And that was kind of an interesting way to look at it because I know a lot of Buddhists that don't really think of Buddha as like God. They, they just think of it as like uh, the self, the, the, the spiritual self and everyone is Buddha. We all have Buddha in us and Buddha. There's any Buddha that's outside us is also inside us. So you don't like worship a, a separate figure outside of yourself and so that's, those are like the Buddhists that I know. Maybe that's more modern. I don't know. But like in this movie, Buddha is very godlike and you kind of have to worship him and you kind of have to give him like tribute and, and then defeat his enemies. And that seemed, I don't know. It just seemed fairly Western. I don't know. That's interesting. I, cause if he, he was meditating Mm -hmm. Our protagonist was meditating at the end and that's very self. Again, I didn't know that that Buddha was like the self as well. Mm -hmm. But if you think of like meditating as getting to that self that's inside mm -hmm. of you, that could be, I guess that could be a form of worship. Like mm -hmm. that's it. I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. He does seem very godlike in this case yeah. coming from above, like as, as the giant Buddha does. Yeah. That was so cool. The animation CGI <laughs> fucking Buddha. He just like puts his like finger down and like, but it's larger than like the sun. I don't even know how they did that graphic. It looked very real. It was, <laughs> I was really stoned when I watched it last night. <laughs> <laughs> it was delightful to see the different. Um, Cause you saw Buddha in the form of a Buddha statue. And then you saw him in the sky. Um, so it was more than one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then was in the very, when the monkey King, um, I assume gets enlightenment. I have no mm -hmm. idea. Is he talking to Buddha at that point? Well, they show him the, the moment that, you know, he's actually truly on his journey uh, is that the main character, the unshaven monk, he is truly um, shaven. And he looks the part of the monk. And so he's, he's like, it's not even, it doesn't seem like he wasn't on earth anymore. They were like on a spiritual plane. And that's wow. when he found the monkey king and he placed the ring on his head and then anointed him as a monk. And okay. then um, the, his instructor, who do they call him? The nameless, nameless monk, nameless, nameless master. master. Yeah. 
um, he says that now you're on your way to find the 22 scriptures of Buddha uh, out west. And that's actually the journey of the west. It's kind of funny because the Which, movie is not about the journey of the west. No, no. it's certainly not. No, It's like the pre prequel. The prequel. Yeah. I guess this one's called like fighting demons or something. Defeating demons. It's like journey to the west, defeating inner demons or something like that. Conquering the demon. Conquering the demons. Um, there are two other movies that follow this one that I have not yes. seen. I want to see them so bad, but that's actually the real journey. I would. I just don't know how they could beat this. This was so oh, good. God, so good. <laughs> I just. I almost. I was going to suggest that we just go to the first scene and like do almost a live reaction just to the moment that the river demon comes out of the water first. And Shang's mom is face to face with it. And it's this giant catfish thing. And its eyes are incredible works of art. I don't know how they did that. It's like kaleidoscopes, but its face starts to vibrate with aggression. And it's the most terrifying like image I've ever seen in a movie. And every time I see it, I've seen it like 10 times. I'm like, <gasps> I get like startled <laughs> every time. And I think if we were to watch it right now, I'd have the same genuine reaction. It is. It's creepy because it's got little like it's got different animals as part of this fish catfish demon. And it's like its legs look like little tiger legs. And and that first it's so they start the movie. It's so idyllic. It's just so beautiful looking down at this village that it's just like, oh, I'd love to see. I'm sure there are places like that in the world. And it would be amazing to go there and see Mm -hmm. something that's so different and just looks so beautiful living on the river like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very pretty and just really good real scenery and really good CGI. I typically hate CGI. I, it feels very fake, but I don't know what it was about this movie where it felt very real. I think it was the music and the sound effects. You know, I don't remember much of the the music until the very end and i just remember it being very very striking yeah um, it's like chinese it's very happy chinese pop just like we're on our way we're having fun oh i i mean from from like the buddha the buddha scene like the when he reaches enlightenment the, the like the final climax oh, had really song. great yeah like epic epic music and then the yes. when they're when they're actually walking it was like this is western this is a, a hats yes. off to western music yeah it is yeah and it felt so much like oh i don't know if this is a specific scene that they're like paying homage to in some yeah. western movie because i yeah. don't know western movies that well mm-hmm. but i wouldn't be surprised if this exact scene is in some western movie somewhere yes i got that feeling too and i also am not very familiar with westerns Except the other Western I've seen that I love was one that Andy made me watch, which also sounds like Journey to the West. What is it? Something to the West. Not Stagecoach. I know you guys watched that one. Ugh, whatever. (laughs) No, no, Something to the West. What's the other one? The Western. Everyone knows. I don't know, because all I know is I know the good, the bad, and the ugly, Fistful of Dollars. I know those ones. Um, Is it like? I'm not big on Westerns. Flight to the West, wagon trail to the West. <laughs> I don't, damn it. Anyways, forget it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know Westerns that well. I know that we watched when uh, Andy and I started watching. Oh no, I think we watched Fistful of Dollars in his, when he was in the, 
his last long, long month, long stint in the hospital, we watched Fistful Full of Dollars. And I love, mm-hmm. we were just like, oh my God, the pacing on this is so good. It was just yeah. like, it's such a good, good movie. I think that's probably the best thing that you can say about Westerns is the pacing is so great. Yeah. So I, I just started watching West, Westward, Westworld. Westworld, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like a Western at all, except for the mm-hmm. pieces that yeah. now that we're talking about this, I hadn't realized that the pacing is nothing like a Western, but it, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, the pacing of the West. And you have to, I feel like you, for a Western movie, you have to be in the right mood to be like, this is the pacing. This is the, we're yeah. going to just go very, <laughs> very slow, very slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it seems so deliberate. Like every second seems on purpose. So it's like, it's well paced because so much consideration was put into it in that way and how it would pace. So now I want to watch Western. <laughs> like convince myself. I feel like I don't hear that very often. Anyone who wants yeah. to watch Westerns. Yeah. Maybe there's a good one out there. I don't know. I mean, there are, I bet lots, lots of good ones out there. Yeah. I was just so happy that this was like, um, this was like such a gift to because I really enjoyed Kung Fu Hustle. Mm-hmm. And I really, that's something that Andy and I, I want to say high school, but that's probably wrong. We probably didn't watch it in high school. Um, it's probably college or something or 20s in our 20s. Yeah. Um, and it felt like this was another, I don't know, this was just so cool to see him like the same genre of movie. Like I just, mm-hmm. oh, so good. So fantastic. It's just so cute. Yeah. And it's so exciting. Like it's so exciting the entire time. Yeah, it wasn't boring at all. And I get bored with movies a lot. Or I get or I get like feelings of anxiety where I'm like, I don't like what this character is doing something dumb and yeah. I don't want to be a part of it. And I didn't <laughs> feel that throughout the movie. Yeah. No, it's a very positive message. Just like try to see the good in people. That's like ultimately it. And don't you can choose other ways to solve problems than uh violence and murder (laughs) (laughs) unless they're like really adorable squeaky toys (laughs) you just punch in the face until they explode into magic space sand yeah yes i like that magic space sand yeah my um so any tv show or movie any new thing we introduce to ren he wants to play that he wants to like pretend we're in that movie and we, he tells me like what his character is wearing and he was a character he uh, when we we're outside this afternoon he was like i'm gonna be someone who has an infinite ring but mine's gonna have fire and i'm and i want you to you to pretend like you're the female demon hunter and we're gonna Whoa. we're gonna hang out so that's what we did today wow <laughs> i'm so glad that that got in his imagination like that it's so good yeah all oh, those no. rings are amazing yeah she has this crazy like bracelet that turns into infinite rings it just reminded me of playing sonic the hedgehog oh yes and the sound was the same (laughs) like when you're in the special level when you're like on the globe that's like checkerboard and then you're trying to get the like gold rings and it goes like every time yes it's it's the sound effects just those silly sound effects were really good yeah yeah maybe when he's like two years older he can watch it because the violence is at least like super silly I don't think there's blood, is there? No, there's blood. Never mind. There's a lake full of blood. (laughs) Full of blood. Yeah. I did enjoy the part where the blood was spurting. So the 
<laughs> the female demon hunter tries the lady demon hunter tries to convince um our protagonist that he this is how i'm avoiding all the names because i just I know. I know i butcher names and this Super is what I obvious with, man it's it's what i do with people too because i'm just like i would rather not butcher your name than yeah. than say it incorrectly <laughs> um but so the the lady demon hunter she tries to trick the a protagonist into um having sex with him i think yeah. in front of her i don't think she would have followed through with it i just i think they made it up on the fly and she's like yeah <laughs> get naked i i would like to think that she wouldn't have gone through with it but i don't know she had like she was that was her big character flaw. She was super manipulative. Like it was, yeah. it was like, oh, this is not, it's not okay to treat people like that. She is, but I think that the reason why she gets away with it is that she she's utterly naive. So I don't think I would have guessed that she's never had sex. And I would have guessed that she's never like had a boyfriend or anything because when the sister is like, This is how you act like a woman, she's like, What this? You know? Yes. And so I thought that was like, she's that manipulative, but she doesn't actually know what she wants because she's like very young. It's not. Book. Yes, it's definitely not malicious manipulation. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's naivete or learning about the world. And and, yeah. and she's using a skill set that might have worked for her in another area in this area where it just it doesn't work. No, no. Yeah. Isn't it kind of fun, though, to see that sw switched gender wise? Because I'd say a lot of movies explore like men who, you know, aren't uh, very emotionally intelligent, might be manipulative, um, and women that are maybe like more hesitant about starting a relationship. They have other hopes and dreams and things on their mind that aren't sex and love, and then they're being pressured by the guy. I mean, I'd say that that's usually pretty common in movies, but this is exactly the opposite. Yes, it was. I think this would have played differently given mm -hmm. histories of gender roles in our in societies. It would have played differently the other way around. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I would have if if this was a if the roles were reversed. I think I would just would have. It would have been harder for me to see the manipulation as a not malicious thing. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I have I've watched other um, uh, sort of Eastern cinema that Andy has wanted me to watch. So I've watched a lot of that stuff lately. I watched Throne of Blood and The Hidden Fortress and a bunch of like 1930s and 40s old Chinese cinema. And some of them are pretty uncomfortable when it comes to that, just like men that are like, oh, it's a female woman. She's mine. She belongs to me because we haven't seen one in it. 10 years and then they like fight over their ability to like have ownership of her and some of that's kind of hard to watch yeah yeah that that's some movies just don't don't hold up well no yeah they're very i, I feel like i just saw the one of the movies that andy was always talking about where the term gaslight comes into oh yeah yeah um and it did not hold up well. It was mm. very, it was very uncomfortable to watch it. But isn't that the point, though? Yes, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Is it called the Gaslight? No, the, I think this was the one either before or after that they were made, or because it wasn't called that. Okay. Um, 
but it did have the flickering of the light. And there was a yeah. whole bunch of gaslighting in it. Right. Um, it was in the public domain and that's why I could watch it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Andy really still likes that stuff. Like he, he can get his mind out of the present tense when it comes to like film, he can just see it as it was meant to be seen. So that was like a lot of us arguing about things is that I am just like, I just don't like that. And he's like, yeah, but for the time and, you know, people who saw it first, but it's like, yeah, I, I can't remove my sensibilities, I guess. Well, and I also wonder how often Andy got sexist comments from a boss or wasn't mm. felt uncomfortable. Like, I think it's different to live that experience yeah. and that that power being held over you is to someone who's like, well, I've heard about it. It sounds yeah. crappy. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we all, we watch movies and we relate to the things that we have personally struggled with and, you know, just consider everything else a plot point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's like trauma is universal, but your personal trauma is so specific. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting subject in general, because I, I think representation matters. Absolutely. But I also think that authenticity matters too. And, you know, you can have a movie where you decide to kill the gay character and some will say that that's a fair representation. Like we're tired of seeing that. Don't kill the gays. Like that's a trope. Get, you move on. But on the other hand, it's like, well, but it happens a lot. Uh, so showing that it happens is also a, representing reality i guess yeah i i think it has to do with the did you use that as a was there a purpose for that or mm -hmm. was it just like you're a lazy writer and you put yeah. that in as yeah yeah i i think that that's a lot of the difference is and i'm totally talking out of my ass here because what do i know but it feels like a lot of things where they in horror movies i, I don't know in anything where they just kill off the the tropes the tropes are yeah. tropes because they're lazy and, and yeah. that's how they became tropes is because they weren't thought about and you just use them and they get a certain reaction and do something different or yeah. just keep making the same bullshit <laughs> yeah <laughs> someone is gonna watch it so it's just boring to me like it's not even that i i'm offended i'm just like oh, i've seen this before it's like another it's another like you know another lord of the rings it's another like white people following a remarkably similar figure to Jesus and like you know it's just boring it's not that I'm like this is offensive I just want new stories with new kinds of people yes it is really delightful to see different anything different I don't know I just can't believe like the Spider-Man movie has been made so many times in our lifetime I don't get it and I I the, there's another movie that I watched with Andy into the Spider-Verse it was like they they just That's all right. they had to do was change him and make him uh african-american teenager and you change everything and it's yeah. every you change everything but keep everything the same and it's like why yeah. aren't you doing that why aren't you just yeah. taking like anyone could write a screenplay and then all you do at the end is you change the genders the races of people the social mm. you could do so many things you might have to go back and rewrite a little bit it might be a little bit harder yeah. or maybe it'd be more interesting hmm. I don't know if that would work i have never written anything in my life so maybe that would make something that is total garbage no um I, as you were saying all that, I really identified with it, uh, with my writing, um, because you, so when I was in high school, I adapted a novel to a play. 
Um, and that that was like one of the coolest things I did in high school. And the book was called Star Girl. And even though the book itself was only about 150 pages, uh, it's a lot of its dialogue. And so turning into a play, I had to cut like 60% of it, which is really hard for me. But the way that I figured out how to do that was that it's about one girl. And I identified that she had like three main personality traits. And I thought, well, what which of her personality traits is the story that I want to focus on? And so I just picked one aspect of her personality, which was her um, selflessness that she wanted to help everybody. And I cut out the other aspects of her personality to show. And then I just very easily went through the script and cut out all the parts that didn't illustrate that side of her that I wanted to talk about. And so it was a really interesting way to see how you can use someone else's story to tell your own. And that would be a way to do it. So Spider-Man is someone else's story. It's someone else came up with the plot and the characters and uh, in its significance and its moral, it's always the same. But if you're a new writer, you could decide like, well, what matters to me about Peter Parker is that he's like a kid who is like, he, he wasn't given any privileges in life. Um, and he had, he gets this great power, but he had never been given anything of worth before that. So it's really significant to him. And so that, that just taking that, it's really easy then to be like, well, it obviously could be an African-American kid. Obviously that kid could tell that story very well. So then you're taking someone else's story, but focusing on a one aspect. And then just by doing that, you can change all kinds of variables like uh, the setting and the time place and the race of the character or their sexual orientation or anything because you're identifying that one aspect that you want to talk about as a storyteller. Wow. I, <laughs> that's really interesting. Having never that read anything. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That was really interesting. Yeah. Do you, as someone who writes things, do you, is that something that you think about when you're writing stuff? Like just oh, yeah. making it down to an, like putting a character down to like one essence? I try to visualize their entire character and then cut it down. And I think this is because I had that experience with the play and also I have a certificate in editing, copy editing, but I like to cut out chunks of stuff and I'm like good at it. So what I think it's a better way to approach writing from my perspective is that you write an entire universe and an entire complete character and then you then you cut it down then you decide um what about the setting that you want to tell cut out the rest of the universe what about that person that is you want to focus on your one story and then you cut out those other aspects but you have to be aware of all of it that sounds like a lot of work and also a way to make a complete universe yeah like there wouldn't be plot holes in that or you'd hope there wouldn't yeah. be plot holes in that yeah that's uh i wish that andy and i had gotten to talk about uh blade runner 2049 more we did a little bit in some of our podcasts but that's a big thing we talked about is that it's an entire universe and we're looking at one little story in it and you feel very strongly that like if the camera were to turn a little to the left and look at people in the foreground and follow them around their story would be just as interesting so it's like that sense that you're not just like watching a play where they're like walking off scene and it's over and and they do that. They actually do that in that movie. They 
they show you someone who you think is going to be inconsequential, but then you find out they're a huge, that the story is kind of all about them to begin with. Yes, exactly. And that's, I don't think that you come up with amazing twists like that, unless you're thinking with the big picture. If you only told like, here's a handsome warrior guy in his story, and you don't think about the rest of the world or characters, you'd never be able to uh, conceive of such a good plot twist. I guess that would be the difference of like the, just telling a very basic hero's journey, very versus world creating. And I would hope with movies, you'd want to have world creating because that's what you're doing with the movie is yes, you're making a whole world. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I don't want, I don't watch a lot of movies, so (laughs) I don't think about them that often. Hmm. This is making me want to go watch more movies, though. I love movies, but I I always end up... Uh, television just has a bigger impact on me. It always has uh, long-form storytelling in that way, episodic storytelling. So I watch films because I have a lot of film buff friends, but I would say that like when I'm like thinking about media, it's usually about t- TV and how to tell a story through that form. That's, I, I can't watch much TV. I think it's really boring. (laughs) Well, and then what you're talking about, the episodic nature of it is 22 episodes. Yeah. It's too much for me. If, if you can, if you can be 10 episodes, six to 10 episodes is like a sweet spot for me. So I'll just write British TV. (laughs) No. And that's what I find myself watching a lot. Like, yeah, it's British. It's these really short, um, because I hate the filler. I'm just, sometimes I'm like, why did you do this? This didn't boring. Yeah. yeah, I want I want some growth. Um, well, you know, maybe we could agree on miniseries. I love miniseries. A British version is like The Fall is probably one of the best. Have you heard of that one with Gillian Anderson? Gillian Anderson? No. You haven't seen The Fall? No, I feel like I should go watch that. Yeah, um, it's a really good and I don't like procedural crime stuff at all, but it's a it's one story it has a beginning and an end. So I think that if you, yeah, if you're, if you don't like filler, then you have to look for a TV show that has, it's a, all based around an arc, one arc. And so there's a couple of British ones in particular. It's like two seasons. I'm going to tell this story in two seasons and then it's over. That's a good storytelling. That that's what I like. I, and, and that's not to say that I haven't been drawn into like the really long form ones, the really, mm-hmm. um, cause there are definitely some episodic TV shows that I like, um, like I watched The Good Fight and mm. The Good Wife. I really enjoyed those. So I, there's some that I, I definitely like. Um, so it's not to say that I don't like all TV. Definitely not. Just most you of You just totally. like um, the good somethings. <laughs> it's, well, if someone has to drag me into it. Like those, those are my mom. My mom dragged yeah. me to those. Oh, and then the other TV shows I watched... Um, Steven Universe, that was a combination of Andy and my ex-girlfriend. And then, uh, let's see, other TV shows I've watched. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Andy got me to watch that one. Um, And Bob's Burger, that was Andy again. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, it's so good, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cute. (laughs) There are some filler episodes of even Bob's Burgers, though, that I'm not as impressed by. But generally, oh, I love that show. I found the dumbest thing out. And as, 
this is going to sound really dumb, but I found out it's really fun to watch TV with people while talking over the TV. And I feel like it shouldn't have taken me this long to figure that out. Uh, Coral and I are watching the Gilmore Girls and, and not in any order. We actually look oh, up boy. every, yeah. So every single time we look up the best episodes and every time we look up a different list online, so oh. the best Gilmore Girl episode. Um, and then we fun. watch, yeah, it is really fun. And then we watch it and we talk over it um, on Friday nights when we're exhausted remotely. <laughs> Um, and I never knew, I never knew that talking over TV was fun. Cause I was so horrible. Cause when I was a kid, I was like, you need to be quiet. Why are you talking over my TV? Um, so I love it. I, I can't, I can't not do it. I'm so bad. I'm so happy to hear you say all this because I'm a nightmare to watch TV with. Like if I'm talking about it to the person with me or aloud, just figuring out, I'm like talking to my dog constantly. And like, <laughs> Are we best friends? I just talked to her. I, this is, I'm saying this specifically because someone yelled at me the other day for this. I was just sitting next to them with whiskey and I was just looking at her going, are we best friends? Yeah, we're best friends. <laughs> I'm like, Shelly, stop talking to her. I'm trying to watch this episode of Riverdale. But, yeah. I think that's I the only it. way I could get through really long seasons as if I was watching yeah. and I had if I had a lot of time there just just the time aspect 22 episodes yeah. is a lot of time it is it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I just I think the problem with me doing it is that I can't nobody wants to do it with me I don't think that they're that annoyed by me but they don't have anything to say because they're watching this show my girlfriend never talks and I'm always trying to just be like, what did you think about that? And then this character, and did you know this vaccine thing? And she's just like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's silent throughout movies, except when something surprising happens and she goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, I don't know. For me, it has to be not a movie. I, like, I I don't think I'd ever watch Gilmore Girls on. I think I'd get bored so fast. Um, Alone, really? Yeah. It's not, it's not boring, though. It's like so. Gilmore? Well, I guess nothing actually happens, but they talk a lot. Nothing happens. <laughs> I what do you mean? So, you know, she got Dean's basket and then she had a picnic with Jess. And then he was mad at her because she was square dancing with Jess. And then I don't know. I mean, yes, that is what happens. <laughs> if you well, tell it a certain way, it just kind of sounds like it's Anne of Green Gables. Like it's so just like bored white people. It is Anne of Green Gables. It totally is. Like yeah. I went to, I got Gilbert's basket at the fair <laughs> and then he took me for lunch. But then I didn't want to say that I would be his lady. I don't know. His, yeah. I don't know what they said in those days for a girlfriend. I don't know. Betrothed. Oh, but I like that. Betro yeah. Wow. I just realized that now. It's amazing. Anne of Green Gables is totally Gilmer Girls. <laughs> Except there's less like unwed uh, pregnancy. There's yeah. unwed pregnant. Oh, yeah. The Gilmore Girls. Yes. I yes. got it. Yes, there's the premise of the show <laughs> to a certain degree <laughs> it actually is because it's literally well shoot never mind spoilers 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 nothing oh, well, I, I didn't say anything oh i'm totally fine with i love spoilers i if it's a movie that i will 
if it's something I'll talk through, I will be Don't so happy if someone. To me. What? No one will watch this or listen to this podcast because if you encourage me to spoil things, because oh. I will. I'm really okay. Yeah, maybe don't then. But Gilmore Girls, there's the, the what you just said is true. So I, I mm. think, yeah, I think, and I think I know what you're talking about because I've, because I watch it with my friend Coral, who's watched yeah. the entire series. And I'm like, it. yeah, I'm just like, tell me everything. Why is this making no sense? Tell me everything. So because yeah. And, and become our parents. We sort of do. I mean, maybe, maybe. Is that, is that fire truck around me or you? I don't think Must it's my house. All right. But yeah. Are you in, I, this is nothing about the podcast, but are you in Chicago now or still in Seattle? No, still moving. Um, nice. So yeah, uh, March, no, April, like the second week of April. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Should should we um should we wrap up podcast stuff yeah. and then just oh, yeah. chat for a little bit? We could totally do that. Okay. Um well, hmm. Ending. Well, um, I talked just a little bit though about why I wanted to do this. I it it was definitely hard coming across like the last uh episode that Andy and I were able to do, just the four episodes and uh, we were able to watch, I mean, we watched a lot of movies that we talked about doing next and there, I think it was, I saw like Cloverfield Lane, uh, it was when I took, uh, a laptop into the hospital and we watched it while he was getting chemo. Um, and I actually sort of thought at the time that it would be kind of cool to move the podcast to the hospital and like record it while he was there. Um, he didn't want to do that and he didn't want to talk about doing that. So I think it was pretty obvious that it was like not really a place that he wanted to open up, I think. So it was like, you know, he was definitely still trying to control his, like how he presented his feelings about how everything was going. And I think he didn't want, because in the episodes, usually by the end, we end up talking about kind of personal stuff. And um, I think he, he, I think he's he's right without meaning to be. It would have been a tough environment for him to be open. So, yeah, it was a different kind of. I think he kept them very separate worlds. Uh, mm -hmm. At the that last year, that last summer, I don't. He would not let his friends visit him in the hospital, which yeah. was always. I I know I reached out to some of his friends and I, I encouraged him and it was it was kind of like a, if you don't do it now I mean we never had that conversation I always wonder if we'd had that conversation like the you could die you could yeah. die and we never did and I I wonder if he could have merged those worlds or well, maybe he wouldn't have wanted to um, I think he he did that in his own way on his own terms and that's what had to happen so you know after us not being able to record in the hospital. The last time I really spent time with him was when he invited us all over um, to to watch a, a movie together. And oh no, I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> it's the real famous Japanese one. Oh, not a bad movie. Oh no, it was a great movie. Although we did talk a lot about Godzilla. <laughs> but no, no, no. Oh, it was um, oh, so it was, uh, Seven Samurai. That's what oh, we watched. Wow. Nice. And so, and that was he, that was as sentimental as I've ever seen him. So 
he just had all of us there and just did his thing where he <laughs> stood up in front of everyone and like did like a mini presentation before the movie, um, which he used to do when he'd do yeah. the movie showings at his house many years ago. So he'd like give a little presentation and just, I mean, he's just spent a little time thanking us all for being there. And uh, then we watched that movie and he liked hugged everyone, which he doesn't always do. So wow. that was, so that was like, I think, that was his way kind of I oh and he gave me a book too so I think that now that I'm saying all of this aloud I think that that's that he was saying goodbye that day yeah that it's very he already knew that he had to do the that the next thing was like oh cutting into his brain um yeah so that was like very quickly after so I, he knew that that was the choice that he had. So I think now that I think of it now, I do think that he already knew maybe. That's really interesting. Um, Cause I know a lot of his friends, it's interesting that his friends, he, some of his friends who I've talked to feel like Andy said goodbye to him. And as his sister, he, I don't feel like he ever said goodbye. And he might not have been, that might not have been something that he and I could do. No. Um, and I think it was something to cause his, I think he didn't want to cause us so much pain, his family. Like, maybe that's why we didn't have that conversation. I, I have no idea. Um, I'm, it makes me really happy to hear that he did that. I didn't, I didn't know he did that. So, I think here, here's how I would put it. And I, I think that this does, I think it, it shows that it's a specific thing about him. He uh, does the same thing I do where he, is able to express himself best indirectly. And so movies are were his language of understanding his philosophies and how he was feeling about his life. So you talk about a movie, you wouldn't talk about feeling shitty. You talk about a, a movie that he related to where someone was feeling shitty. Um, and so I think that all of his friends, it was always activity and personality and interest-based. So he didn't he didn't sit us all down and say i'm dying goodbye he he said i really want to show you this movie and we all share that and it's very emotional and look how well acted it is and look how beautiful the ending is so i don't know if he could use a metaphor like that with his family because it'd have to be like super direct and honest which is really scary yeah yeah thank you for telling me about that i didn't yeah I, uh, so Andy and I were supposed to watch Endgame, Avengers Endgame. Mm -hmm. um, and he got sick that summer, so we never did. And I don't know. And he wanted to watch it with Shell or uh, Sandy. And mm -hmm. he, I think some of his other friends wanted to watch it with him. So like Andrew wanted to watch it with him. And I made such a big fuss about it because I really wanted to see the movie and I wanted to see it with him. And I made a fuss about it and he got sick and he got in the hospital and he never saw it and coral went and saw it with me um in the theater she hadn't seen the first one and i didn't know that at the time she just took me to the second one um and i've always wanted to rewatch that movie and i did just recently and i just like bawled like mm. ugly hard give myself a headache crying during like the end of that movie because it was, it was just so much about it's interesting um yeah movies were a big part of his 
And it sucks. I don't think he ever got to watch that movie. Uh, and who cares? It's not the end of the yeah. world. He didn't get to watch it. Yeah. I know he watched every movie up to that movie, though. He watched yeah. all of the MCU movies. Yeah. But I, I know he wanted to see it and I know he would have really loved it. But he. I don't I don't really understand what he really loved about Avengers because he mostly complained about them. He truly loves um, the Star Lord. And he loved what what was that movie? I don't know. The Galaxies. Yeah. So the yeah, yeah the, the galaxy guy. Um, and so he talked about that movie as being kind of like a work of art. He didn't talk about any of the other movies as being any kinds of works of art. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think what was what the MCU has done is made these generational movies. They're mm-hmm. I mean, they they've done something that I haven't seen before, which means nothing as not a movie person. Um but they're showing what can be done with movies is giant world building, um, mm-hmm. which is now branching. Like, I really want to know what Andy would have thought about WandaVision. Um, oh, God. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he, he would have, he, you're right, he did bitch about all of these. He bitched about so many of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I still haven't seen The Seven Samurai. That's I'm going to have to watch that. He used to always just say, like, I'm getting through the Avengers movies this summer. <laughs> That's a superhero movie of sorts. <laughs> I mean, so many superhero movies are modeled after either either Westerns or, um, yeah, old Chinese movies. I've Those seen the, the big... two influences, I think, for a lot of superheroes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wish I knew more about movies just so that I could see the, cause I love like Kill Bill. I've watched Kill Bill many times and I love watching Westerns and me like that scene, that exact shot is in Kill Bill. And it feels like I love moments like that when they're, they're yeah. tying everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Who was at the who a good place to stop? I want to know who was at the Seven Samurai. Who all was there? Um, who uh, so it was was Jessamine and her uh, fiance, Mm -hmm. and uh, Andrew and me, and was there anyone else there? It might have just been us four with him because, yeah, and those seats because he's got those uh. Yes. The Birian house has those uh, pull-out seats. I think there were four of us. Oh, that makes me so happy. Um, Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're saying a good place to stop. Mm. The podcast. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. I'm so glad that these last ones got out and that I could hear Andy talking and, you know, none of my family has yeah. seen them. They're all saying that they're going to wait for a time when they really need to hear Andy's voice. Really? So I'm so glad that they have this. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I, I did make huh? my parents watch barbed wire though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was your dad just like, yeah, that, that's a, that was a good film. I enjoyed um, it. <laughs> I think they both liked it. It acted. It's so fun. I don't know what it is. It's delightful. 
<laughs> okay, cool. So is this is this a wrap?